Welcome to the Big Three Podcast, a weekly podcast from Guy Baptist Church, where we sit down and unpack three big questions raised from our Sunday sermon. Because we believe that one of the spaces where faith can grow is in those small conversations about the big topics. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of The Big Three. You're here with Matt Willis and Jessica Baker. How are you, my friends? Good. How are you? It's, I'm good. I'm good. We're like, you know, we're right in the in the rhythm of The Big Three. Mm-hmm. Like we had that break, mm-hmm. but the last few weeks, we're just smashing out some quality content, yeah. if I may say. I'm just enjoying an hour of baby free time. It's true. To be yes. honest. And as I was driving here, the white noise at my Spotify got taken. I was listening to 80s pop. Um, <laughs> as I do, the white the Spotify got taken over with the white noise. So my husband's currently at home trying to put the baby to sleep. Oh, beautiful. Like, Amazing. I don't have to. <laughs> not, not my problem. No. Not my problem. It will right not now. work, no. but uh, it's not my problem. <laughs> well, maybe we'll get an update later on. <laughs> maybe yeah, the white live, noise has stopped. Live, live updates during <laughs> during the podcast as to whether or not Vader is sleeping. <laughs> um, so we are what four four weeks into oh, our series, the courageous life. Still kind of unpacking those stories of people who have courageously participated in the plans and purposes of God. Um, Jess. What do you, like, what is the most courageous thing that you've ever seen mm-hmm, ever mm-hmm. in your entire life? Go. Mm, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I'm currently binge watching Alone. Have you watched Alone? No. Oh. What is this? <laughs> do you know what? It's been a while since we've talked about um, Netflix and what, yeah. what we can. I'm still there. I'm still in it. It hasn't <laughs> gone away. It's still my life. Um, alone. They like drop them in the wilderness alone <gasps> by themselves and they've just got to survive for as many days as they can. People are like you know, they're up to like a hundred days or whatnot. And they're like killing what? things and fishing and it's the middle of winter. And that seems pretty courageous to it's me. It's like also dumb. Bear grills meet survivor. Yeah. Yeah. Except they're alone. So they go a little crazy. Yes. Yeah. Why am I excited about that? <laughs> <laughs> Just like, yes, watch well, it. it's watch a fun the, time. Watch it's the fun spiral time. so that I don't feel so alone in my own craziness. <laughs> <laughs> Delightful. Yeah. So that's, uh, yeah, that, that's what I would okay. say at the moment. Cause I'm fully engrossed. So smashed out. So ultimately what you're saying is for people to fully be able to grasp the, the principles of this series, Mm -hmm. they need to go watch alone. Oh oh yeah. Okay. (laughs) We can just watch it. We don't have to do it. No, please don't. (laughs) Drop me in the middle of the bush at Menai and away I go. (laughs) See how long I survive. Down at the needles. (laughs) Well, like I said, we have been continuing in our series, The Courageous Life, and Belinda Lakeland, our evangelism coordinator, preached on the story of Isaac, the man who built three wells, um, and would really encourage you to listen to that message again through our regular GBC Sermons podcast, both on Spotify and on iTunes. And as always, the whole purpose of the big three is to keep the conversation from Sunday's message going. We don't want the lessons to stop with the sermon. We don't want the learning to stop after Sunday. So we're going to continue to ask some questions based on Belinda's message this past Sunday. And we're going to have Mark Rader join us a little bit later on. And we're going to be putting the big three questions to him. But before we do that, Jess, what are our big three for today? Question one is, in the end, Abimelech couldn't deny Isaac's life. How can we live so our culture can't deny our lives? Mm-hmm. It's a big one again. Mm-hmm. Why, why do we keep doing this? Mm-hmm. It's almost as if the podcast is about big questions. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> Question two, how can we find the courage to trust God even after failing? 
story these of boys, my life. These boys just keep making the same mistakes over and over. <laughs> and then the women come in and clean it up. It's so true. The wife's supposed to be like, again? No. Well, it's like Ruth and Esther were like power women yeah. and then Abraham and Isaac were just fumbling fools. That's the take home that I've taken from Absolutely, this it was my take home as well. <laughs> Question three, how can we discern when to fight and when to yield? Important. 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 You don't want to come in guns blazing. <laughs> Well, it's just a wrong scenario. Can confirm there have probably been some situations in church history where we've done that. Not great. I don't know what you mean, no. Matt. The church has sailed through life. <laughs> Exceptional. <laughs> well, there's only one thing missing, and that is the man himself. Mark Rayner, welcome to the big three. Well, thanks, Matt. Hi, Jess. Hello. Now, we do understand you do work for a church, so sorry about that, guys. Uh, our church has never done anything wrong. <laughs> Everything is fine. <laughs> Um, well, Mark, uh, talk to me about, um, you know, we're, what, we're only two weeks away from wrapping up our series. We talked at the beginning about how it's linked with our purpose statement. Can you just talk to me about how you see this series enabling our church to better live out our purpose statement? Yeah, I mean, I think that the, the great value of focusing on the stories uh, has been that the stories often, as you guys have just mentioned, like they have some murky edges to them. Mm. Um, and even in the stories of, you know, Ruth and Esther, who are these kind of exemplary characters. They're bosses. They're bosses. Yeah, we can say but, it. But part of the courage that they expressed is the uncertainty in the story, mm. right? Like it's, there's no guarantee it's going to work out for either of them. Mm. I mean, it does. And we go, yay. But, you know, like <laughs> in reality, for them in the story, I mean, it's you don't need courage if you know it's all going to work out. Mm. You, you only need courage when things are a little bit messy and murky yeah. and uncertain. And so I think that, you know, and even looking at Abraham and Isaac, you know, there's this sense of... um of analogy then, mm. right? Like even though the times were very different, like I've never had to dig a well, <laughs> wouldn't know where to start apart from digging someplace. I've dug know? a trench once. Ooh. I know. Oh, there I you know. go. You're welcome. <laughs> yes. All right, I'm not sure what to do with that. <laughs> you know, like the circumstances of their lives are very, very different. You know, mm. like I think as you said a couple of weeks ago when you were preaching that, you know, you've never had, you've never been in the position of Esther to act on behalf of an entire people group. Can confirm. Right? Can and confirm. That, and, and, that's, and so that's all true, like both the scope of what they're dealing with, but also the circumstances in which they're dealing with that are very different mm. to ours. But I think it's pretty easy to see the analogies of not always certain where God's at work, not always certain that this is going to pay off, confronted with choices about, you know, do I pick up my sword or my shovel, mm. um, you know, out of Belinda's message, um, situations of, you know, do I trust God or not? Like mm. all of those sorts of things. So I think there's great power in kind of going, this is the story of God's people. Yeah. Uh, and so if we can see ourselves in that story, then our lives become, mm. you know, part of that, you mm. know, where it's like, okay, maybe my story will never be written down and, you know, and read like Esther's or Ruth's or mm. Isaac's mm. fine, but I'm, I'm engaged in the same kind of activity. So I think that's really valuable for us. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think you're right. I think there's been real power in kind of unpacking these stories yeah. Yeah. and kind of sitting in the nuance of yeah. them and the yeah. uncertainty. Yeah. Rather than kind of propositions about, you know, yeah. here are three things. Well, here's my three courage. points. That, I mean, we're, we are Baptists after all. <laughs> you need well, three points. We've been, we've moved, we've moved away quite away from we, three points. Will maybe. you get into heaven if you don't do a three-point <laughs> sermon? I don't know. I don't know. But I'm, I'm gonna not going to risk it. I'm going to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, interesting. Interesting. <laughs> Before we get into some very out there theology, let's get into the big three. So despite his stupidity at times and using the same uh, good old trick his dad used about, it's not my wife, it's my sister. (laughs) A classic. Which, to be fair, did work for Abraham. Mm -hmm. You know, he was blessed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It kind of worked for Isaac too. Yeah, which is ridiculous. (laughs) Not the the point of the story. (laughs) Anyway, um, so he very clearly lives a blessed life during the famine. He was producing really good crops. And then in the end, when they kicked him out into the wilderness, he was finding water after water after water. And so it was undeniable um, the blessings that God had and the the way he was keeping his promises. Um, And so Abimelech just couldn't deny Isaac's life. How can we live in such an obvious way so our culture can't deny our lives? That's a great question. Um, I'm not doing it well. <laughs> not, not digging it well <laughs> so or, or like you're not doing know. it well? I don't know whether people, well, yeah, I don't know whether that would be their initial, mm. be like, oh, Jess is a Christian. Yes, um, yes. I'd hope they do, but <laughs> you don't know. Yeah, I, I think, you know, uh, it's probably worth kind of pausing for a moment because there, there is a... um. Uh, there's kind of a a line of theology um, that would or or Christian practice, which basically says we need demonstrations of God's power in our lives. So, so power evangelism kind of thing about you know healing, uh, praying for healing for people, and then they can't deny what's taken place. Mm-hmm. Those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, or and this is I think far more problematic but it's difficult because it's the example that Mm. Isaac experienced. What Abimelech saw was not Isaac's righteousness per se. Mm. He just saw that he was filthy, stinking rich. Mm, A bit (laughs) of prosperity gospel for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. And everywhere he turned, he had success. Yeah. So he um, must be in God's favour. So well, does that mean I'm not in yeah. God's favour? <laughs> Upsetting. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I think that that prosperity teaching, the basis of it is not, theoretically, is not I get rich so that I'm rich. Mm. It's so that other people can't deny what God's doing in my life. Mm. Right? Now, I'm not sure that's actually how it plays out, to mm. tell you the truth. And I also think it's, not a particularly robust theological position, right? For the very reason that if you are not successful, then that suggests that you are somehow not pleasing God, you're not Mm. in his will, and that's just a road to absolute nowhere. Um, On top of the fact that it doesn't work in, what, three quarters of the world? Yeah. You know, you show up in most places in the world and say, well, if you're not rich, God's not blessed you, like, they'll run you out of town. Oh, Mm. hopefully they'd run you out of town. Um, So I think, like... There's there has to be a bit of a difference in that space, I think, mm. for us, right? Not to deny that, you know, we live a blessed life, and you know, the part of that I think we would have to say is something that comes from God, mm. right? We have to be careful with that because it suggests that people who don't experience the same blessing, right, like we have to yeah. be really careful in those sorts of spaces. Um, but I think you know, for I think for many Christians, I think the evidence of Evidence of, or the evidence of a life that cannot be denied is found in like acting like Jesus, mm. right? Mm. Um, you know, to some degree, it's the fact it would be more, it, it would be as if Abimelech said to Isaac, 
if we had the expanded version, right? Mm. If he'd actually said, you know, the fact that you just gave up on those three wells and yet you're still blessed, you keep finding water. But it's that decision to be the meek mm. rather than the conqueror. That's really spoken to me. Right? Mm. Yeah. Now, obviously, he doesn't give us that expansion pack of kind of what he saw. Mm. Um, but it's those components of our lives that I think have to make the difference for people. Um, and that might be, you know, our generosity with whatever wealth we may have. Mm. Um, it may be decisions about, you know, how, what we do with that as well. Like, or do we just look like everybody else? Mm. You know, we build the same houses, we go on the same trips. We like, is everything exactly the same? Is there any evidence that we've kind of gone, you know what? I don't need to have the status symbol. I don't need to, and that those are all really tricky questions, right? Yeah. Like it's not yeah. just a matter of, you know, thou shalt not have a car that's worth more than X or more than so many boats or like you can't, you can't do it that way. Mm. But I think that's a place that kind of the out working of our lives. Um, so almost the opposite of what Isaac kind of like, well, in our culture, <laughs> To have a lot, it doesn't doesn't raise any flags, you know. People are like, no. yeah, cool. Like, like are you was on the side drug dealer, like yeah. what's happening? Yeah. What's, your, what's your side hustle? That's yeah. right. Whereas for us to have less or to sacrifice or give up, that's what would draw people. I think people would notice that. Mm. Like if you know, it's like you know, and, and that's just one example. I think you know, I mean, I mean. There, there'd be a, there'd be a million ways for us to draw attention to the fact that we're making some deliberate decisions, some mm. on purpose, intentional decisions mm. about how we engage in social media, about the sorts of things that we do on the weekends and the activities mm. that we're engaged mm. in, the things that we find funny and the things that we invest our time and resources in and how quickly we forgive and how genuinely mm. we forgive mm. and how, um, how gracious we are and how we might make decisions for our family based, you know, like, instead of taking the promotion, making more money, but having less time to say, no, I'm content where I am so I can spend more time with my family. Like yeah. those sorts of decisions would be like, what do you mean you're giving up a promotion? Well, my family's really important. And mm. you know, those opportunities. Um, but I don't, I, I don't know that there are, I mean, there's lots of ways that we can reflect our faith, but I'm not sure it's as simple as just kind of living a particular way. Yeah. Because, you know, in our day and age, people can kind of live however they want. Mm. I'm not going to ask. I'm not going to judge, I, you yeah. know, because that's just a road to, to nowhere. So mm. I'm not going to say anything if you buy a second car or you don't buy a second car. Like, I'm not mm. going to say anything to my neighbors. I'm not going to read anything into that. So there, there is that sense of needing to be able to be a little bit more overt yeah. and explicit. Mm. Um, but, but I think, you know, in terms of that phrase... Um, you know, you, they couldn't deny Isaac's life. I think, you know, for us, a lot of it has to do with consistency. Mm. It's not just those one or those big decisions or even those little decisions. It's, it's the consistency of those decisions over time where people yeah. go, you know what? I can't deny your life. Mm. Like you're not a Sunday Christian. You're Christian all the time. Mm. And, while I might find it uncomfortable or odd, you know, if I'm not a Christian that you always talk about Jesus and going to church and all that sort of stuff, but mm. like you're super consistent. I can't deny that. Yeah. You know, and you, you, um, you practice what you preach and you, you know, you, you walk the talk and mm. all those kinds of mm. phrases. I think that that's probably 
the most significant piece, right? And people have to be close enough to us to observe that yeah. over a long period of time, right? It's that whole living in your faith out loud. Mm. Um, if if nobody knows that I'm a Christian, they might just confuse me to, for being a, maybe a sort of reasonably nice guy, mm-hmm. right? But maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, that's right. No comments. You know, uh, you know, but but uh, how 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 many people are close enough to see and observe and go, yep, there's a consistency that I can't mm-hmm. deny in your mm-hmm. life. You know, and it may be things like, you know, going through crises, right, of yeah. that consistency or of that hope or, right, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, I think there's something in that that um, is, is pretty valuable. Yeah. Um, no, I really like that piece about how, you know, it, it kind of stems for us in our cultural context at the moment mm-hmm. around our choices, the why mm-hmm. behind why we you yeah. know, live a certain way, do a certain thing, mm-hmm. whatnot. I think you're right in the sense of if it becomes about, you know, you just think of that classic cliche, like I'm so blessed. Um, and and mm-hmm. when you start having that kind of, and you know, there's truth to that. <laughs> yes. Sure. Like yeah. God does bless, yeah. but when it becomes this kind of, I don't know, universal statement that you're just like, well, the reason that things are going mm. good for me is because I believe in Jesus. You're right. Like the, it, it produces this really toxic mentality that yeah. then those who are experiencing struggle or yeah. challenge or yeah. hardship, yeah. you know, things that we would define as not not really a blessing, yeah. Um, yeah. then that somehow is a reflection of their, like whether or not they're close with God. Yeah. So I think for us at the moment, the best way that we can kind of be countercultural and and demonstrate to our culture a life that is undeniable, I think you're right, is in our choices and the consistency of that Mm -hmm. choices. Mm -hmm. It's not just once or twice. Hey, there's a big decision, so we're going to pray about it now. It's that, and it's the. I think the to some degree, it's also in those. It's in those crises, Mm. right? Because that's where you find out what your theology is. Right, that's where you find out whether your theology is any good to yeah. some degree. Um, can you, um, you can you go through hard times with your faith intact, and that's you know, never easy, yeah, or guaranteed. But like a prosperity gospel, it's like it's blown up as soon as there's any sort of problems. Mm-hmm. Whereas you know, like Isaac and Abimelech, you know, Isaac's response was kind of in that crisis. Right, you know, he lied and been a bad neighbor, and then he was really, really wealthy, and everyone's really envious. And then, you know, there are all these conflicts over these wells that were reopened and dug, and so mm-hmm. it's in that though that Abimelech sees something. So it's not just the blessing. There's also the sense that in the crisis there was something there, and I think that there's, I think that speaks to us as well about you know when when things go wrong or when things are hard, how do we respond? I think yeah. there's something in. You can't deny that then. Mm. If someone who says, oh, yeah, yeah, I follow Jesus, and then things get hard and they still follow Jesus, it's like, okay, hard, much harder to deny it yeah. then um, in, in that sense. Yeah, so, right on. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, mm. let's get on to question two. Uh, so, Mark, obviously, you know, We're not backwards and going forwards about saying that Isaac kind of fumbled and bumbled and failed his way through the story. Bless him. Bless Mm -hmm. him. Um, But there was still a consistent trust in God. Like you don't forfeit, uh, you know, a crop of a hundredfold during a 
during a famine, you don't forfeit wells where yep. you have access to the source of life, you know, water, yep. um, multiple times, unless you have trust in God. You know, how can we find the courage to trust God even after failing? Yeah, I mean, I think that the um, the stories of the patriarchs, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right, the, the three kind of primary men through whom through whom the promise of God was fulfilled. Mm. Um, They're they're quite noteworthy Mm. for the combination of, shall we say, success and failure, of trust and of doubt. Mm. Um, You know, so there are these extraordinary moments in Abraham's life where he, God says, go, and he just goes. Mm. Arrives in Canaan, it's like, okay, I guess here I am, and stop someplace, and kind of moves around a little bit. And, and then there's this moment where he goes down to Egypt, leaves the land that God had told him to stay in, right? Lies about his wife for fear of his own skin, right? And there's a variety of places throughout the text where you, where you can see that Abraham's struggling with that. Mm. Isaac, we have very few stories. This is, this is kind of it mm. in terms of him being the main actor. But it's that kind of combination again of both failure and success. And Jacob is just a nightmare. Bless you know, him. like from the get go, and and what you, I think, what one of the things that you find in in the midst of it all is that the promise of God to bless just rolls on top of them, regardless of what they do, right? So even in even in that story where Abraham you know, goes and lies about his wife, he walks away from Egypt. I think we mentioned this a few weeks ago. Yeah, he, he walks away from Egypt with more stuff than he had. Yeah. Yeah, like they just threw stuff at him and said, "Please leave." The moral Pharaoh is the one struggling. Yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> taking the, the cup. Uh, yeah. So the moral <laughs> of the story seems to be that if you lie, you get ahead, mm. right? Which is not the moral of the story at all. The moral of the story is that God's promise is not jeopardized by Abraham's lack of faithfulness, mm. right? Like God's made the promise, and so God's going to see it fulfilled. And to some degree, Abraham's behavior doesn't really matter. So because, you, you know, what, you can see a problematic mm-hmm. lesson from that though, can't you? That therefore, mm-hmm. like, do we just, do, do we just trust? Well, yeah, a little <laughs> bit like, well, listen, like I can trust God because like, you know, he is infinite and mm-hmm. his promises and, mm-hmm. and power mm-hmm. and yep. authority are infinite. Yep. Um, and so it just doesn't matter what I do. I just, I, I, I'm remembering a friend who, when we were doing the HSC, you know, a hot minute ago. Um, Yeah. Thanks for that laugh, (laughs) Jess. Um, You know, she was someone who was like, I feel called to do this degree. Yeah. And so I'm not going to study because I just think God is going to, make sure that I get the marks that I need. Did it work? Do you know what? It did. It really annoyed me because like I busted my, so yes, she got the marks that she wanted. But like, I remember kind of sitting there kind of going, this is a very, this doesn't sound right. And it feels a little bit unhelpful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that, you know, there's a couple of things that work in the, the the patriarchal stories. One is that it's God's call, right? Mm. Like it's, it's God's, plan it's God's purposes and he's kind of said you're in mm. and they're gonna okay mm. <laughs> right um, so there's a there's a sense of being kind of on board with what God's on about but then the, the fact that God's promises are not they're not fast-tracked by Abraham's faithfulness mm. so Abraham's faithful decisions doesn't mean that the promises come to fulfillment more quickly yeah um, or differently mm. 
it's just the promises of God just roll on. You know, uh, uh, Jacob is, I think, perhaps the best example. Like, after stealing from his brother and lying to his father and running away, God appears to him at Bethel and basically says, I'm going to, you know, these same promises of your grandfather and your father are now passed on to you. And, and Jacob does this thing about, you know, I've seen, I've seen the one true God. And then he basically makes a deal with God. If you'll look after me and be with me and bring me back here uh, safely, then you can be my God. Like it's, Ooh. it's just bizarre. He's had this image of God reiterating the promises and he's like, yeah, all right, maybe. That's like mm-hmm. the whole, like, God, if you don't want me to eat the pie, <laughs> yeah. don't let me eat the pie. <laughs> well, so he, oh, I ate the pie. off he goes <laughs> and he has, you know, and God blesses him. Mm. Promises rolls on top of it. Right. Like, I wonder if God really regretted his. That's a bigger coming. question. Yeah. Like, <laughs> not and it's not until you know, Jacob comes back, meets Esau, and then goes, "Okay, everybody," to his family. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna get rid of our household gods. And you're like, you had household gods? Yeah, wow. Like you were just worshipping other gods the whole time and the Lord was kind of on the side, a bit of a side hustle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so to speak. You know, (laughs) and only after all that you've seen, and yet there's never any condemnation of Jacob. Mm. God doesn't appear to him in dream. He kind of goes, pull your your act together. Yeah, how is he okay with a smidge of idolatry? mm, Well, of all sorts of stuff, Mm. you know. Mm. Yeah. you know, and, and I'll stop there. I'll I'll keep going into. Genesis, we could talk but. about Jacob forever. <laughs> <laughs> what a great guy. You know? But I think then that leads us, you know, to come back to the question: How can we find trust? I think we we need to trust in something other than ourselves, mm. right? And I think that the difficulty of of failure or even of faithfulness and trust is that we can end up trusting in our trust, Mm. right? Like, oh yeah, yeah, I trusted God and that was good and oh, I failed and it ends up being kind of about us. Yeah. And we really need to, I think, always focus on the the character and the promises Mm. of God. I Mm. think that's where trust sits, right? Because if it's anywhere else, it's going to be problematic, Mm. right? You know, Mm. obviously can't trust himself. Mm. Um, That doesn't work out particularly consistently at all for me, but God is consistent. And so Mm. I think we always want to be returning to the character of God, um, his plans, his purposes. Um, One of the other stories that didn't kind of make the final cut for this series was about Hezekiah, um, one of the kings of Judah. He's He's a righteous king, so he does the right, does what's right in the eyes of God. But he actually rebels against the Assyrians, to whom he's a he's in an alliance, a treaty. He's a vassal, and he's encouraged to trust the Lord, and he does. And Jerusalem survives, and he's still king, but he's lost all this territory. Had to give up heaps of tribute. And it was kind of this fast. I, I think it's a fascinating insight. Inside this of, is why it got cut. No one else found it fascinating. Of trust in the Lord, and it didn't work out. Well, it didn't work out by worldly standards. Yeah, like it didn't work out in the sense of I'm now free from Assyria, and my country is free. He, yeah, he didn't get the Isaac blessing. No, no. But I think in that Again, sense, this is wildly problematic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm having a bit of a spiral over here. You know, so then in, in Hezekiah's situation then, he trusted the Lord. 
it was okay. <laughs> and now he has to trust the Lord still. Mm. And, and and I think there's, again, I think there's something really quite telling in that for us, mm. you know, because it doesn't always work out exactly the way that we would mm. like it to. Mm. Or with the grand success, like sometimes it's, we just escape with our lives. Yeah. And God's trustworthy in mm. that. Mm. So I think that when we fail, you know, we need to, we need to, um, again, turn turn our eyes to God's character. Yeah. Um, I think that's pretty critical because we can often act as if my failure jeopardizes the promises of God, right? That they're kind of dependent. God can only do good if I'm good. Mm. And God's like, no, <laughs> I can. Not, not the case, yeah. <laughs> I, I can do good. Mm. Um, and so I think we, we, we always want to be returning to, to him in that sense. So yeah, nice. I, think, I think the focus on character is quite helpful uh, and looking back at where God has been faithful. Mm. You know, I think Isaac could look back mm. and go, okay, yeah, God's been faithful. Yeah. You know, even when he got booted out from the Philistine territory, mm. he lied. Uh, he was still blessed. Mm. Like the promises of God hadn't been jeopardized by mm. his failure. Mm. Um, so you'd like to think that part of his, his rationale or part of his thought process was, Okay, <laughs> mm. that didn't work out so well, but mm. the Lord is faithful, so I can I'll try to do better next time. Yes. So. And sometimes it wouldn't be so obvious as looking back and seeing such a blessed life that Isaac had, so we might need to sit and think a bit longer, but there's always... Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, the other piece is that, you know, for Isaac and for Abraham and even for Jacob, they'd been promised land and descendants and blessing. Mm. Now, I don't think they were disappointed in the blessing, but what they really wanted was kids. Mm. What they really wanted was land. And, you know, even when Jacob has 12 sons, you know, which is a much greater start than, mm. than Abraham had, I mean, they're not going to, they're not a nation yet. They're hardly much more than a family, yeah. right? Mm. Big family, but, you know, are, at what point does a family become a clan, you know? <laughs> um, Commune living. You know, so <laughs> they, you know, at the end of the patriarchal stories, they own one block of land that Abraham bought as a burial plot, but the rest of the labor nomads with mm. no real place to call their own apart from where they were able to stake out some territory. And they were, what was it, 70 of them went down to Egypt? Yeah. So still quite small, right? Mm. And that, of course, is what drives the narrative forward. It's why we miss the blessing part, because the focus is on, I haven't had a kid yet, haven't had a kid yet. Oh, here's Ishmael. No, not the right kid. Okay, fine. You know, finally yeah. had Isaac. Great. Now sacrifice him. Really? You know, um, <laughs> you know, Isaac gets married, and then that's a little bit problematic, and then she can't have kids, and then she does have kids, and they don't like each other, and then, you know, it looks like Cain and Abel all over again, because Jacob runs away, and Esau wants to kill him, and, right, like, that's the, the, the tension is wrapped around the children, the Descendants mm. and the land, the blessings never in question though. Yeah, and I think because it's never in question, we 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 kind of we kind of miss it. Yeah, but I think it's helpful in this conversation to recognize that you know there's Isaac going up, you know, two generations of this wonderful promise, mm. and while I've got three wells to show for it, I got two kids, and in a chapter or two, I'm only going to have one. Mm. <laughs> right? You know, mm. um, so. You know, the, the, I think there's there's some really significant pieces of that, the, the yeah, wider nice. context as well. Right on. Well, let's move on to question three. I, I 
Isaac gets kicked out of Philistine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's in the wilderness. He finds a well. Amazing. Great. Then they want to take it back. Then he finds another well. Amazing. Great. They want to take it back. And so he keeps kind of like backing away and being like, no, okay, trust God. We'll find something else. Um, but really we all kind of think like, come on, like, Take them. <laughs> Our car. Yeah. They can't take your wealth. But how do we discern when to fight and when to yield? Mm. Yeah, I think the other the other layer of that story, which is probably, it's an imaginative outcome really, but we would have to, given the way the story unfolds, we'd have to believe that if Isaac had arced up, he would have won. Yes, and that was Belinda's point. Like he yeah. wasn't this. What did she call him? Something violet, a shrinking violet, a shrinking violet. Yeah. Um, but that he had, he was great and was getting greater and was really great <laughs> yeah. and yeah. had influence and power yeah. and money and. Yeah. Well, I mean, Abraham arcs up once um, when uh, was it five kings attack Sodom and Gomorrah and they take. They just plunder the cities and take it all away. Mm. And even though we're talking small little city-state kingdoms, Abraham takes all the men in his household and everyone who's kind of allied to him in any way, shape, or form, and there's like 300 of them. They chase him through the night and defeat, he defeats them all. Yeah. And you're like, we don't know how many he was up against, but five kings sounds like they'd have more than 300 people. Yeah. And Abraham, well, of course he wins, brings everything back, right? It's just, it's this kind of ludicrous story. So if, if, if Jacob, sorry, if Isaac had said, okay, that's mm-hmm. it. No, I'm keeping the well. Thank you very much. And I draw the line right here. He would have won. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure that would have helped his cause, mm. right? But he would have won because the blessing of the Lord was upon him. Um, and I think that makes his yielding all the more significant, right? Mm. Which is, again, part of what Belinda was getting at, right? That he he could have, right? So it's like that whole, what's that, the, the little statement about tolerance? You know, we're called to be tolerant, but tolerance is really only possible if I can put a stop to something, mm. right? If I can't change something, I'm not tolerating it. Yeah. In the truest sense of the word, right? It's only if I can actually stop something mm. that I can then say And no, choose not to. And choose not to. That I'm, that tolerating, I'm tolerating it. You know? Yeah, wow. And so for, for Isaac, there was a real sense that he probably could have said, oh Lord, God of my father, mm. right? Uh, these jerks are making my life <laughs> miserable and, you know, and off they, they keep go. keep taking my water. <laughs> <laughs> you know. He seems like that's what he would be like. <laughs> yeah, a bit of a so naggy little. from his heavenly daddy that he's like, no. <laughs> They're not playing nice, God. <laughs> Stop it. But, but the fact that he was in that position of power makes mm. his decision I think all the more significant, Mm. right? He wasn't running away because he had to. Like it wasn't, I mean, I suppose it was a strategic withdrawal, but it wasn't because "Mm, it's either this or I get obliterated. Mm. Um, And I think that, I think gives us some insight then into what it means for us to choose, right? Mm. You know, as, as Belinda kind of drew forward, you know, Jesus encourages us to live meekly mm. um, and to turn the other cheek and go the extra mile and give our cloak and our tunic, whatever the equivalent is today. Mm. <laughs> right. You know, um, and that that should be our first port of call. Mm. Right. So, and, and I think that that's probably not a bad way forward. Mm. Right. Like first port of call is, is to yield. Uh, to pick up our shovel and go dig another well and trust in God's mm. care and provision for mm. us. Um, but like, but like every situation, right? 
I think there are some other layers to it, some other components. So I think, for instance, um, if if something unjust is happening to us alone, it might be easier to turn the other cheek. But if that injustice influences lots of other people, mm. then I think that there is some uh, compulsion on us to resist that injustice. Yeah. Not just for my benefit or even for the, um, even out of dislike or hatred of the oppressor, mm. but for the good of those who are being oppressed and who face that injustice. Which, of course, is a tricky line, mm. but I think that there is there's some space in there about you know acting for those who don't have a voice or acting for justice, yep. um, where where we are called to resist evil, you know, in in some way, shape, or form. Um, and so I, I don't. I mean, it's like many of these questions. There's no real clear answer to it. You know, in these six instances, you should yield. In these seven instances, you should you know, fight and mm. it's all really clear. And, you know, here's your, here's your little progression chart, you know, it's like a good little flow chart. Did this happen? Then yes, if do that. And it's, it's much more complicated, but I think our default position has to be to, to yield. Um, uh, and, and, you know, mostly because that's the example of Jesus. Um, Philippians two, five to 11, you know, he, he was equal with God. He could have expected completely fairly and with every every right to be treated like the messiah mm. and he just made himself nothing right as mm. paul says just emptied his hand and kind of went i'm not gonna i'm not gonna hold on to my rights i'm not gonna hold on to my privileges which were his by right there was nothing wrong about him saying no nah, i think i'd like you to worship me now <laughs> right? like there would have been nothing wrong with that mm. you know he had every right to that um you know i, I think i'd like you to show me more respect mm. <laughs> you know i think mm. i'd like you to just believe me and stop fighting me and everything like mm. and yet he chose always not to and so i think that there's something for us in that yeah but i think there are some times you know i think when there are areas of injustice in particular mm. i think that's um that's that's important for us to um, stand up um, and to resist. You know, I think the thing about, I suppose it was unjust that the Philistines nicked the wells, but, you know, I think, I think we all know the sorts of injustice that we're talking about. Mm. Um, the, the, the wrong that is perpetrated against people. Mm. I think there's ample scope for us to go, you know, this is not on. I don't think we have to, there's a difference between turning the turning the other cheek and living with oppression, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, um, you know, walking the extra mile is one thing, you know, but I think we we do have to be careful about saying, oh yeah, we just have to, we just have to put up with really crappy circumstances, mm. um, really lousy, hurtful, harmful circumstances because mm. we're Christians how we manage that. You know, like I think about, you know, domestic violence situations. Yeah. I don't think I'd ever want to say to to anyone who is experiencing that kind of violence, mm. be it you know, sexual or physical or emotional or financial, and say, listen, Jesus would just turn the other cheek and put up with it. <laughs> like, yeah. I just, I find that hard to, I'd mm. find that hard to sustain. Mm. Um, um but again, like even by raising that, like that's just a really complicated 
This is a really complicated situation. Mm. Um, and, and there's many of those sorts of situations in our lives. Mm. So I think, you know, there's some questions that we can ask, you know, about, you know, who else is harmed, um, who most benefits from this? Yeah. You know, why am I wanting to take up my sword? Mm. You know, am I doing this just because it'll make me look good, feel yeah. good? Right. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a really important question. Like what's yeah. my motivation? What's my motivation in, in this? Yeah, yeah. You know, and so some, and sometimes most of the time our anger is not particularly righteous. Mm. If anything, it's self-righteous, mm. you know? Mm. Um, and our desire to kind of have our way is not particularly godly or grounded in justice or mm. it's just mm. i want my way yeah <laughs> you know and um and, it, and, it, and it's there so i think we have to be asking questions of motivation i think we have mm. to be asking some of those broader questions but they're they're not simple answers no but i think that they're helpful questions to start with mm. and i think you know when the water's muddied and the questions aren't clear it, it then that's your invitation to kind of go okay well i need a mm. I need to figure this out a little bit mm, before yeah. I act. Like maybe my maybe before I decide to either yield or fight, I just need to pause mm-hmm. and consider. Yeah. Yeah. Like I like you're right. They're not the answers to those questions aren't yeah. simple. But yeah. asking those questions yeah. of yourself is yeah. simple. And sometimes, you know, the the it's also about what what's you know, what's the outcome mm. going to be? You know, mm. like I'm reminded of those um, two proverbs back to back. Um that says, uh, answer and you know, answer a fool according to his folly, or he'll be wise in his own eyes. And then immediately following or immediately preceding it, don't answer a fool according to his folly, uh, or you'll just be like him. And it, what that just reminds us is that so often the path of wisdom is about timing. Mm. There's a time to answer a fool and go, <laughs> "You're a fool." Yeah, and I need you to know. I need to say this, or else you're just going to head off to destruction. But there's other times where it's like, you know what? Nothing, absolutely nothing, is gained here. Yeah, <laughs> right now you I know, will not engage. Yeah, <laughs> just you know, just think social media, and yeah. there you go. Right? What? <laughs> Some quality content on there? I don't know what you're talking about. There sure is. Um, <laughs> you know, so I think that there's also an element of timing. There's a there's some times when Mm. that will look just about like any other time where you're like, you know what? I just have to yield on this one. Yeah. And there are other times you're like, actually, no, I, I think I need to speak up. Yeah. Um, and so the path of wisdom of, you know, trying to get that right. No, that's uh, good. Yeah, it's, and it's you're saying none of those times happen over social media. <laughs> I'm oh, saying, right. I think that's the take home. <laughs> yeah. That's the take home. <laughs> there we are. I'm saying that if less people answered fools and their folly, social media might be a nicer place. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> well, we'll just percolate on that for a little while. Um, <laughs> said the two millennials. <laughs> Gen Z, sorry. Oh, please. Yeah, just by a year. Wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We're not getting into wow. this right now. So we have um, three generations yeah. in the room. Oh, look at it. Look at it. How diverse. How diverse. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, before Jess starts making old jokes, um, Mark, thank you so much. That was awesome. Um, I believe. You are on this Sunday. Mm-hmm. Another third, uh, not third person. <laughs> it's that the third first person. It's the third first person. Yes. Um, yeah. Person of Jonathan. I yes. Believe. Telling the story of Jonathan. Bestie of David. Yes. Oh, yes. I love a BFF. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to tell it from the perspective of Jonathan. Oh, here we go. Which is a little bit tricky because it's hard to have someone talk about how courageous I was. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm still, sure you'll still, find a way. Still working it out. <laughs> still working it out. But he was the best character to tell it because he knows the most. Very good. So. 
All right. Well, well, we we're wait. Hoping, we're hoping there's a costume. We, we <laughs> <laughs> you can go on hoping. <laughs> Let me answer a fool in her folly. <laughs> <laughs> well, we wait in bated breath. <laughs> and we'll catch you next week. All right. Thanks, guys. Jessica Baker, Jessica Baker, Jessica Baker. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Lots in that, mm. as always. Mm, I'm really enjoying this series. Oh, I'm, like, I'm just having a hoot, mm, some okay. would even say. I'd go as far to say I'm having a hoot. Um, but what was your standout in, in that? I think it was interesting around question one that what caught Abimelech's attention wouldn't catch people's attention necessarily today mm. the yielding part yes of yep. like oh, that's okay i'm gonna trust in god and move on he's gonna provide for me but yeah that fine line prosperity gospel vibes yeah. <laughs> love that for us um <laughs> that actually we're called to do the opposite and mm. we are called to live maybe a bit more of a simpler life and and put others before ourselves yeah yeah yeah, yeah i agree i think that whole like for us it's probably our choices mm. um not the not the things we receive, but the way we choose to kind of interact with mm. the world around us, and or how we use the things we receive, mm. or yeah, what yeah, we yeah. Do with them, all that. Sure. I think obviously that says a lot. Mm. I also like I love that idea of um, wisdom in discerning, like fight or yield, and yeah, and those questions, like really simple questions of like who is being, you know hurt here or who is this impacting what is the outcome i'm after what are my motivations yeah um that's a that's a doozy that's a hold the mirror up kind of question yeah. which we get a lot here we get a lot here we see a lot um For it's sure. confronting but we like it, it is, yeah. <laughs> um well we will check in next week after mm-hmm. the third first person narrative mm-hmm. with mark Rader, mm-hmm. and um we'll see you then my dear friend <laughs> see you later If you want to be a part of the conversation, head to slido.com, a live forum where you can submit your own questions or upvote someone else's. Then listen out in new episodes for the answer. Check our show notes for the Slido code. Today's episode was in response to the sermon preached at Gaimi Baptist Church during our Sunday services this past weekend. You can listen to that message again through our regular GBC Sermons podcast. You can also listen to the We Are The Church podcast where we hear the stories of faith from those within our GBC community. You can find both of those podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. Thanks for joining us for this week's Big Three and our deep dive into God's invitation for us all. Remember, there's no thought too small, no question too big.